The following is a podcast of Echo, a middle school ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, visit lifeatvictory.com slash middle school. Echo, Saturday night. What's up, guys? So, hey, that worship set was like pretty pumped, right? Like I was in the back actually breaking a sweat back there. And you're probably like, well, it's probably because you're wearing outerwear and you're indoors. But let me just be clear on why I'm wearing the vest, okay? I want to be clear about that because this part right here says that I'm a responsible adult and I dress for the weather. This part over here says the gun show is open, baby. If If a shopping trip breaks out, I am ready to carry groceries, okay? So that's why I'm sporting the vest. But hey, glad you guys are here tonight. We got a good message to go over. But before we do that, Who can tell me what this is? A dodgeball. And, and what do we do with these type of dodgeballs, as you call them? I see. Okay, so you are educated in this process. So, yes, this is a dodgeball, and you guys will be doing this next weekend. So, yeah, you can, let, you can give it up. What I need for you to do is repeat after me, okay? Because you will not be prepared for dodgeball unless you can say these five words. Are you guys ready? Say it after me. Say dodge. Dodge. Say duck. Say dip. Dip. Dive. Dive. Dodge. Dodge. You guys are ready. Give it up. Hey, sound booth people. Good catch, Sarah. Almost. So, hey. This is, this is the final week of me, my selfie, and I. And we're going to close it out by talking to you guys tonight about value and worth. So how many of you guys know that's something that people struggle with a lot? People struggle to understand who they are and what type of value and worth they have. And that's not just you guys, that's adults as well. That is a very wide, broad problem. So I want to dig into that with you guys tonight. Sound good? All right, so hey, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to jump into God's Word. So if you have a Bible or you got the Bible app, I want you to read along with me. I'm going to read you this passage out of the Gospel of Mark. It's chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. It says, When Jesus had crossed again, or again crossed over by boat, To the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, okay, so the first thing I'm going to point out is this guy's important. He's a synagogue leader. He came and he saw Jesus and he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him and said, my daughter, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. It tells you first off that Jairus had faith. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, meaning Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. How many guys in here are 12 years old? That's your entire lifetime. That's a big deal. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. So many doctors tried to help her out, weren't able to do anything. She's suffering. She'd spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately, okay, remember, Mark is the gospel of action. So immediately, she was healed. The bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? So he knew that there was a transference of power from him to somebody else. He just didn't know who. Who touched my clothes? His disciples, they're like, you can see the crowd, the people crowding against you, and yet you ask, who touched me? That seems like an odd thing to say. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So, I apologize, I got a little sore throat today. But the first thing I want you to catch out of that, your first takeaway on this, is that when we come in contact with Jesus, when we come in contact with the Savior, healing occurs and value is conveyed. Because here's the thing about this. Jesus was on his way to do another miracle, right? He's walking with Jairus to go and heal this little girl. But this lady comes up and she touches his clothes, couple things are really important about that. We know from the time and culture that, not like today, the Me Too movement hadn't happened. Women didn't necessarily have a voice or a place in Scripture. So the fact that she's mentioned here is big. But she comes up and she presses through the crowd. She's been sick for 12 years, and she manages to reach out and she manages to touch Jesus. So as important as Jairus was, Jesus stopped to turn to the woman. And why did he do that? Because she was important. She was important to him. She carried value and worth to him. So he didn't want to let it go unsaid. So he turned to her to affirm her value, that she was worth stopping for. That's very important. So a lot of things could have kept her from reaching out to Jesus, right? The same as a lot of things can keep us from reaching out to Jesus. She could have been stopped by the crowd. She could have been stopped by the fact that she was a woman or that she was sick, but she pressed through. She pressed through and Jesus noticed her. And what he's done for one, he'll do for all. If he notices the one, he'll notice all. Here's your next takeaway. Even when others don't see your value or your importance, God does see it. Again, it's something that we all struggle with from time to time. We struggle with understanding who we are and what we're about. I mean, think about this. <clears throat> you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many times have you laid there at night and you cry out to the dark and you say, who am I? Like, am I worth anything? Does anybody even notice me? Do I have any value? Does anybody care that I'm here and I'm hurting? That's very real. That's very real. And those are conversations that happen all the time. People struggle to understand what their value is. And so we want to do everything right. Would you agree? Like, like we want to do things well and we want to have a good performance because if we have a good performance and we do things well, people tend to value us. People tend to affirm us, and they say, man, you did a good job with that. 
Or you know what, I like the way you did that. Or you're doing an awesome job at whatever sport you're playing. So all of a sudden, we put weight and we put value in what others say about us. We look to our performance to affirm who we are. But here's the problem. While we're trying to prove our worth through our performance, what happens if we fail? What happens if we miss the mark and our performance falls short? Well, then we look at it and we're like, well, that, that was a failure. So if that was a failure and I put my value and my worth attached to that, then that means that I'm a failure, right? That means that I'm a mistake. So we, we feel that we're less than. We feel that we're not worthy because our performance failed. It reminds me of a story. I heard a story one time um, of a guy, and when he was young, his parents put a lot of pressure on him. And they said, you know, you're really intelligent. You're really smart. You got to get, we expect nothing less than good grades in school. And by good grades, we're talking straight A's. So this guy, he, he just fought for it. He went after it because when he would get the good grades, when he would get the straight A's, it would affirm him with his parents. And he would then feel like, hey, I'm valued. They care about me. I did something that made my parents happy. Guy does really well, finishes high school with a 3-9, right? Really smart guy, goes on to college. Now he's looking for performance-based affirmation. And it doesn't stop there. He goes on and gets a family and gets a job. And when he gets a job, he looks for approval from his boss, Because if his boss approves of his performance, then that means he's worth something. So he ties his worth and his value to the performance in the workplace. He ties his worth and his value to what his employer says about him. And it becomes performance-based. What happens when you don't meet the mark, when you miss the mark at work? Well, guys, can I tell you something? That person is me. And that story is very real. That's how I've lived my life. So I know what it's like if you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I struggle knowing who I am and what value and worth I have because that story is me. I grew up that way. I grew up with a lot of pressure to achieve grades and be the best at everything. I'm super competitive. I grew up with a lot of pressure to perform at whatever job I had. And I always thought that I'd be satisfied by getting the next promotion and having the next boss tell me, hey, great job, and pat me on the shoulder. And you know what? It falls short. It doesn't measure up. And why doesn't it measure up? Because you're not your performance. Your worth is not based on your performance. You are not found in what you do. You are not found and what you say. You're not found and valued in your past. You're not necessarily found and valued in your future. Your value comes from one person, that's God. Others will try to define you by your mistakes, and if you base who you are off of those mistakes, then you begin to think that you are the mistake. But God does not make mistakes. You might fail fail a thousand times But listen to this, every one of those failures does not matter to God. Your worth does not change because you have a setback. I want you to walk away with that. Your worth does not change because you make a mistake. Here's your next takeaway. 
Your value is communicated through the price that was paid. That kind of only makes sense, right? Whatever price is paid, it tells you the value of something. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, this is Jesus speaking. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So he's telling you there, listen, even when you don't see it, when your vision is clouded, God's vision is not clouded. He sees that you're valuable. Whatever situation you're going through, when you feel that lack of self-worth, he's still got you. He's got your back. He still values and affirms you. Because here's the deal. Nobody will go after and attack something that isn't valuable. Amen? So that's why the enemy purposes to go after and attack you. Because your life, the value of your life, was ransomed and purchased with the blood of Jesus. That is the value of your life. That is where you find your value. And the problem, especially, hey, let's be real. Your guy's age, teenagers, preteens, you guys are going to start to want to find value and worth in what your friends say about you, what your teachers say about you. If some dude thinks you're cute, if you like some chick, you're thinking about what they say about you and your everything rises and falls with the ebb and flow of what others say about you. Guys, that's not a way to live because that is playing exactly into the hands of the enemy. The devil's main goal is to destroy your relationship with God. He knows the area in your life that you are the most vulnerable and he will go after that area. And when he convinces you that you do not matter, he now has an inroad to convince you that you're worthless. He knows what you say to yourself. He knows the shame that you carry. He knows about your insecurities, and he goes after them viciously with the intent to kill, right? His purpose is to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his purpose. He'll get you to doubt yourself, to think that you're worthless and that you don't matter. And why does he do that? Why does he go after your value? Because if he can destroy the way you see yourself, you will never live up to what God has for you. He is afraid that if he does not handcuff you and bind you, you will not live up to what God has for you because he knows He's seen down the road 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. He's seen down there and he sees the value and the purpose that God has for your life. And if he can ruin that path, if he can destroy you and bring down your value and your importance and your significance, he knows that you will not fulfill what God has for you. Everybody say, I'm important. Say it again. Say, I'm important. Your value is not found in what others say about you, okay? I want to show you guys a little demonstration here. So, can you guys see what this is? Okay, $20 bill. This is a $20 bill. If I go out after church and I go to the store, and I want to buy something that is $19.99. Do I have enough money to pay for it? Okay, if I buy something that is 
$19.50. Do I have enough money for it? You guys are too smart for me. Okay. The point is, the value of this tells me that I have enough money for it. But, so this is $20, right? This, this has the value of $20. I, I just, I just like crinkled it up. I just watered it up. How much is it worth? So it keeps its value. Is that what you're saying? It keeps its value. But I throw it down and I stomp on it. How much is it worth? It's still worth $20. It still has the value of $20. So if I, if I pick it up and I stomp on it and I say, you're worthless. You mean nothing. You have no purpose. How much is it worth? If I throw it in the garbage and I call it useless and I throw it away, how much is it worth? It's worth $20, right? So, we got a $20 bill that was crinkled up. It was stomped. It was told it was worthless and it was thrown in the garbage. And in the garbage, when it gets in the garbage, it's kind of... It's kind of funny, like, other things start to stick to that $20 bill, like failure. Failure starts to stick to that $20 bill. It's funny how that works. Or, or how about this one? Not enough. Not enough. It, try, it, try, it tries to stick to the $20 bill because it, it's trying to take value from the 20 And, and I could go on and on. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of them. Worthless. Hatred. But here's the deal. The $20 bill got thrown in the garbage. The $20 bill got stomped on. The $20 bill had all of those things attached to it and told that it was useless. It was worthless. It means nothing. But guess what? The $20 bill can come out of the garbage. And the $20 bill can be restored. It can be put back together. It does not have to spend the rest of its life in the garbage being associated with those words and told it has no value. It can be put back together. And here's the thing, guys. If we can do it with a $20 bill, God will do it for you. Because your value again, is not found in what others say about you. Your value is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's where your value is. That's where your worth is, where your self-image is. Can we all stand up to our feet? Because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing about value. This is what the world says about you. World says that you're trash, you're worthless, you mean nothing. You want to know what the Bible says about you? You want to know what God's heart for you is? You want to know how he feels about you and how much he values you? How about this? How about Ephesians 1 4? It says you're chosen. Or, or how about John 3 16? You are loved. 1 Peter 2 9 says you are special. 
Psalm 139, 14, it says, you are wonderfully made. Romans 8, 37 says, you are more than a conqueror. Colossians 2, 10 says, you are the fullness of Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you are a new creation. Stop putting weight and value in the things that have been said about you in the past. Stop letting others determine what your worth is because God says you are worth something. God says, I will use you to build my kingdom. I will use you to change the world. How many here want to be a history maker and change the world? So here's what I want to do for you. Right where you're at, I want everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray over you. God, you know our heart. God, you you see down to the depths of where we are in this room and in our lives, Father, and you see our heart. You know each of us intimately and deeply, God. You know who has been affected by this, who has been hurt by this, Father God. You know where we have those areas in our life that we do not feel valuable, that we feel worthless, that we feel insignificant and no importance. So, Father God, I lift everybody here up under the sound of my voice, Father, that you would touch that area of your heart, their heart, that they would fully understand that they are created in your image, beautifully made. Father, that they would understand that they have a purpose, a destiny, and a future with you, and it does not matter who says what about them, who assigns what value to them, because it doesn't stick. You are the God that sees their heart. You are the God that redeems them. So, Father, touch those areas right now. Heal those hurts. Help them to understand they are who you have made them to be. Right now, guys, where you are, every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you're here tonight and you say, and that resonates with me, that just, that, that, that hits me because I, I've been down that road. I know what it's like to be called worthless and feel like I am nothing and I have no value. Guys, there's a Savior that loves you with every ounce of who he is. So if you're here tonight and you say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, right where you're at, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that is you and you say, you know what? The Holy Spirit has prompted me. Tonight is my night. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Right where you are, go ahead and slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. 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 Okay, you guys can put your hands down. Amen. I want everybody to pray this with me. I want you to pray it out loud where you can hear it. Say, God. Say it out loud. Say, God. I come to you now. And I ask for forgiveness. I come to you and acknowledge your son Jesus has died, been buried, and rose again that I might have eternal life. And God, now I ask him into my heart and into my life. I will never be the same. I am now a child of God. Amen. Amen. Guys, give him a hand. Give him a hand.
Listen, if you prayed that prayer tonight, and that's your first time praying that, we believe that you are born again. So get with one of your small group leaders, myself, Pastor Ben, one of us. We would love to talk with you and share about what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Hey, guys, you are awesome tonight. I appreciate your attention. We're going to go to Pastor Ben. All right. Come on, guys. Can we give Steve a round of applause? Was that not something? That was amazing. That was amazing. Hey, guys, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're going to get to go to small group time right now. This is awesome. We're doing something unique tonight and fun. So who was here last week? Man, barely anybody came last week. Jeez, guys. All right. Well, I got some good news for us today. So here's what we got going on. Um, all the small group leaders, remember, we, we took time to create our, our T-shirts last week. Um, so they, they're, they're in the white buckets in, in the back. So um, right where we got them, I'm stuttering on my words. Y'all okay? Y'all with me? Woo! Okay, so we're going to get all of our sheets, and that way we can, it, it'll speed up us creating our small group t-shirt. So here's how it's going to work today, okay? We're going to break in the small groups literally in 30 seconds, so pay attention. We're going to break in the small groups in 30 seconds, and then everybody, everybody, say everybody. We're going to need to check what size shirt, what size t-shirt we have on and tell our small group leader so that they can take a quick tally, and then one of the leaders is going to go over to the t-shirt table and get the shirts that we need, and we're going to begin to create our small group t-shirts for dodgeball next week. Are you ready for dodgeball? It's going to be awesome. And so are are we good? We clear? Y'all know what to do? Now hear me out. Do not take your t-shirt home. Give it back to your small group leader when you're done. And we'll give instruction when it's time. All right, I love you guys. Go ahead, break into your small groups. Break into your...